Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Woo! How are we doing? If you've attended here for any weeks at all, that's really the way I start just about every week. So you just need to anticipate that. You just need to be ready to woohoo me right as soon as you get up here. I'm just making sure you're awake. And uh, we're glad you're here today. Uh, it was rainy, and I think it's getting better outside. And so we're glad that you're here, that you chose to be here with us on this Sunday morning. Hey, you heard it just a second ago, but I just want to hit one more thing uh, one more time. Tonight, 6 o'clock at New Life Church. We'd love to have you join us. We're just kind of a community prayer service there. Um, some worship, time of worship, some specific prayer moments. We're going to join with, together with some churches in our community. And uh, New Life's gracious enough to host there, Pastor Allen. And so um, I'd love for you to come be a part of that night with me and with us there. It's going to be a great great night. Last week we started a new series called You Asked For It, and really what we're doing over these few weeks together is we are trying to answer the questions that you have asked. So some of you, you submitted these questions uh, various ways over the last few months uh, via email or in uh, meetings or counseling sessions or whatever, and you said, hey, I'd love for us to talk about this at some point in our church. Uh, and then others of you, through the topics that you checked on the survey that we did on Easter Sunday, you said, hey, I'd love for our church to talk about some of these things. And so we pulled some of these together. Last week, we started this series really looking at the Bible. If we're going to spend the next few weeks looking to the Bible for answers on some of these topics, and it's not just going to be Jeremy kind of giving his opinion about some stuff, then we got to know how do we know the Bible's real and credible? What do you do with errors? What do you do when it seems to kind of contradict itself? And what do you do with the things that are offensive in the Bible? And how do you answer for that to your friends and family members? So if you weren't here, I'd love for you to go back on our podcast and listen to the message last week just to kind of give you a foundation for this series and really for the way that we uh, kind of conduct ourselves here at Canton Church. When I was in college, I, uh, I delivered pizzas for a living. Uh, that may not be the career choice that you would choose. Some of you, maybe it is. Uh, in a college town, it was very lucrative. It was a great way to make money. Plus, at the end of the night, they let you take a free large pizza home. So I had dinner four or five nights a week, which was awesome for a college student. Uh, my roommate also worked at Papa John's, and so we, we had two pizzas every, you know, every night that we worked, which was awesome. Uh, but as a part of being in college, I had spent kind of my teen years really deciding I am not going to... Uh, do what I feel like in deep down in my soul like God wants me to do with my life I, I'm gonna do something else it, it came still out of a heart to serve people to help people to defend those that couldn't defend themselves And so I had a, a love for history and law and government And so I went to college to really pursue kind of pre-law and then to eventually go to law school to again Try to help those that could not help themselves. That was my motive. That was my heart So I went to college in the college the university that I attended we had chapel services on Tuesday and Thursday morning for about 45 or 50 minutes and then a Sunday night chapel service as well. And you didn't have to go to everyone, but you had certain numbers that you had to go to throughout the course of a semester. And one night I was in one of those chapel services and I was doing homework in the balcony. I've told this story a number of times. Some of you have heard it. I was doing homework, not paying attention at all, just there to get credit for being there. If you understand what I'm saying, like some of you today with your spouse, but that's okay. Um, so I was there and I was working on a paper in the balcony and uh, at some point, I've tried to think back, what was the speaker speaking on? What were they talking about that night? I can't remember. I've really tried to rack my brain. I can't. But at some point near the end of that message, I just kind of turned my attention to the stage, perked up a little bit, still don't really have a great sense of what they were talking about. Because it was in that moment that I felt like the Lord really started to speak into my heart and into my life some specific things, challenge some things in me. Uh, and really caused me to kind of think, oh, I've got to reorient my life around the things that I know God is specifically calling me 
to do. And so at the end of the message, they had what's called an altar call. Some of you are very familiar with that, others maybe not, but that just means they call you to come to the front for prayer. And so kind of in that room where I was at, if this stage was that stage, I came and I knelt down kind of in the corner of the stage right there on the floor. And I prayed a very simple prayer, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Like I'm in. And I've said for, for years, I've kind of joked about it, and I don't mean it to be offensive towards anybody that fits in this category, but I don't know what the altar call was for. I don't know if the, the pastor or preacher that was up there said, hey, if you're a pregnant, unwed mother, come on down to the front. <laughs> I just knew in that moment the Lord was speaking to me, and I had to go for prayer. Like I just So maybe people were staring at me like, why is he going down for prayer? I don't know why. But I just knew I got to go down. And in that moment, I committed some things to God. The next morning, I went to the registrar and changed my major from what I was pursuing to, to ministry and, and really the rest is history because I then started to pursue kind of going into vocational ministry and serving in the church with the same heart and motive that I had with the other endeavor to help people, to serve people uh, to the best of my ability. But here's what happened. I changed my major and then I went that afternoon to deliver pizzas. And then the next day I went again to deliver pizzas. And then the next day I went again to deliver pizzas. And I was so frustrated about three or four days in, I'm thinking, I don't know how this is helping me become a pastor at all. So I picked up the phone and I called my dad, who, who was, is, was and is a voice of wisdom in my life. And I said, Dad, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, and when I close my eyes, I see step 10. Like, I see like, where I want to end up. I just feel like I'm at step one and I don't know how to get to step two. Like, I don't even know where to go from where I'm at to even get me closer to where I'm headed. And he gave me some great wisdom that day on the phone call, a ton of great things, not all of which I'll even share today, but he said, here's the deal, just be as faithful as you can delivering pizzas, and when God needs you, he'll know right where to find you. And really what I was asking my dad to help me to do was to know the will of God. That's ultimately what we're talking about today. How do I know what the will of God is? How do I know the plan of God? How do I know how to live in the will or the plan of God for my life? That's really what we're talking about today in this You Ask For It series is how do we know the will of God? How do we know the plan of God for our life? And when you hear that phrase, maybe it causes you to think something very specific. Maybe you've heard it, but you don't know what it means. But that's really where we're going to spend our time together today. We, we, we draw some of this terminology in this phrase from really the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden before he was arrested and before he went to the cross. It's found in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. He's praying there and he says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Your translation may say, not my will, but your will be done. The idea that God had a will, God had a plan that he wanted Jesus to do, and Jesus was asking, hey, if there's any way for me not to do this, Please don't let me do it. Please don't make me do it. Let this cup of suffering, he understood the cross was before him, let this cup of suffering pass me by, but I submit my will, my plans, my desires to your will, to your plan. And so ultimately what we're saying is in the life of Jesus here in this moment, God had a plan, God had a will, and Jesus submitted himself to it. So what does that look like for us? What is God's will for your life? What, what is God's will for my life? How, how do we end up in that same place where we're praying that kind of prayer to God to say, God, I, I, I've got some plans, I've got some thoughts, I've got some things. Like, if I know I'm about to suffer, like, let me not have to suffer, please. Uh, but, like, ultimately, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I submit my will to God, your will. Now, here's what I know. I said this in the first service. I'll say it again. In a room like this, across all three of our services, I recognize that not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's okay. 
This is a safe place for you to come and kind of explore faith and, and search it out and figure out what you believe and what you're kind of fleshing out as you look at who Jesus is and, and what Jesus may be asking of you. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian in the room, let me address you for just a second. Ultimately, this question, what is God's will for my life, is something that you have been asking and for sure you should be asking. Because what I, I think we're saying, I want to kind of reorient this question a little bit and reinterpret this question. What I think we're asking when we say, what is God's will for my life, is what does God want me to do? What is it that God wants me to do? That, that's a great question for you to ask, for anybody in the room, even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a little younger, obviously a good bit younger, uh, they're, they're, they, that's the first time they came out with the little bracelets, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? The idea, some of you still wear those, the idea is that if you're wearing that, it serves as a reminder that if you're standing in any situation, any moment in time, and a decision is before you, you would think through the filter of what would Jesus do if he were standing in this situation? If Jesus were in this moment, what would he do if he were me? And then, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, if I know what Jesus would do, then I try to answer that by going, okay, well, I want to be like Jesus, so I should do what I think Jesus would do in this situation. Circumstance. What is it that God wants me to do? I think that's ultimately what we're asking when we start talking about God's will. But I don't know that some of us really kind of filter the smaller questions through that kind of thing. Like, we're, we're not really asking, like, should I go, God, should I go to the Braves game today? Well, to go to the Braves game today, you'd have to catch a flight to Miami because I don't think they're in Atlanta, so you probably don't want to do that. But, God, should I go to the Braves game this week? Well, maybe. But many of us don't ask God's will about whether or not we should go to the Braves game, right? We say, God, should I eat the fries or the onion rings, right? And some of you are like, neither. They're both bad for you. I would say onion rings. But, I mean, I'm not God. So you do what you got to do with your conscience there. I would say this for those that are already contemplating what you're going to have for lunch. It's Cinco de Mayo. Everyone should eat Mexican today. Um, that's not God. Again, that's just me. But I think you should. It's, 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 it's Jeremy honoring if it's not God honoring. So um, we're just like, okay, I don't really filter where I'm going to go to lunch through, like, what does God want me to do for lunch? lunch today. No, we normally think of those big rocks, right? The big decisions in life. Like, what does God want me to do in this situation where I'm trying to contemplate between this job and that job? Like, God, I, I'm not sure, like, what do you want me to do? Should I take this job? Should I take this job or that job? If you've got options, and if you've got options, way to go, right? God, should I quit my job? Like, I, I, I'm unhappy and I don't know that it's in the Bible, but surely it's in there somewhere. Like, you don't want me to be unhappy, right, God? So, like, should I quit my job? Let me just go ahead and tell you, like, go read the Bible. There are moments you may be unhappy. That doesn't mean if you're not happy that you're out of the will of God. So you go, okay, well, should I quit my job? Should I marry this person? God, I need to know your will. Should I marry them? I like them. I think I love them. I don't know what love is, but I think I love them. I was told when I was a teenager, love's a feeling when you get a feeling like you've never felt before. So's the flu, but I don't know how you know what you're, like, I think I flew them. I don't know. God, should I, should I marry this person? God, we're married. Should we have children now or later or down the road? Or All of our friends that have children look tired. So I don't, should we have children? We really love not being tired, Lord. I don't, we, we, we kind of filter those big questions, right? Lord, we have children. Should we have more children? The people we know with lots more children are more and more tired. So, Lord, should we? No, that's, those, are the, those are the questions that we begin asking for God's will, right? We ask God's will about these big direction questions. 
Like, God, what do you want me to do? What is it that you're asking me to do? Now, I'm going to give you the easy answer right up front, okay? If you are asking a question about whether or not you should do something, and it is explicitly spelled out in Scripture. We talked last week that we believe here at Canton Church that the Bible is the Word of God. It is God-breathed, right? So just like God breathed into the dust of the earth when he formed Adam and made a living thing, he breathed into his Word and delivered it through 40 authors over 1,600 years into 66 books, and you and I have access to that, and it is a living, breathing text. So there are some specific things that you are trying to determine right now, should I or should I not, and some of them are specifically spelled out in the Bible. And let me just say to you, if they are spelled out in the Bible, you already have your answer. You don't have to go searching and keep asking all your friends, because here's what we do. Not, maybe not you, other people at other churches. Here's what we do. We keep asking people what they think we should do, not because we want their opinion, but because we're going to keep asking until we find someone that agrees with what we really want to do. Not this church, other people at other churches, right? <laughs> we just keep asking, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm torn. Would you pray with me about this, which makes it sound spiritual, and then we ask them a question that we know that God's word already addresses. Should I do this? Should I not do this? If God's word says it, whether it says yes or no, that is your directive, and you should obey. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's clear, clearly spelled out. So that is your directive. That's what you should do. Yes, I should do this because God's word says it. No, I should not do this because God's word says it. Now, if it is not clearly spelled out in scripture, where do we go from there? Well, we use the wisdom of God to interpret the scripture of God against the character of God to determine what we think God would want us to do in that circumstance. And that's where we get into these areas where we have to have what scripture calls discernment. Discernment is the wisdom of God applied. It's the distinguishing of whether or not this is of God or something that is not of God. And so we determine what is it that God would have me to do. So the first one's easy. If it's clearly spelled out in scripture or against the wisdom of what we know about God and his application of his word into our lives, then we know what we should and should not do. But if it's not clearly spelled out, then what do we do? Well, when we come to those moments when we're trying to determine, I should go here, I should not go here, I should take this job, I should not take this job, I should marry this person, I should not, we should not have kids yet, we should have more kids, we should invest our money, we should, whatever those questions are, then I think that here's, I want to give you some, some things that I believe will bring some clarity. As I do, I want to tell a couple of stories from Scripture. The first of those is the story of Joseph, right? Many of you know the story of Joseph. It starts in Genesis chapter 37, and it really goes to the end of the book of Genesis. It sets up why the children of Israel were in captivity in the first place. But early on in his teen years, Joseph has a dream. Joseph tells his family about the dream. He says, all of the sun, the moon, the 11 stars are going to come and bow down to me. This is the interpretation of this dream is that his mom, his dad, and his 11 brothers would come and bow down to him. This is a little bit, you know, specifically what he sees in the dream and how it's interpreted, but also it's a little bit of arrogance and pride perhaps as a teenager. I'm raising some teenagers. I recognize the voice of pride in a teenager. And so I hear the way he's even telling the story. It's kind of like, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. And so you hear that. And then here's what happens. His brothers shockingly hate him. They sell him into slavery. Then after they sell him into slavery, the guy that is his master sees that there's something special about him, raises him up in power. Then his wife, the master's wife, lies about Joseph, and he ends up in prison through no fault of his own. The prison guard sees that there's something special, raises him up in power. He interprets the dreams of two of Pharaoh's employees. One of them is raised back to his job. The other one is put to death, just like the interpretation of the dream foretold. He said, I will not forget about you, Joseph. A couple years later, we realized that, man, he forgot about Joseph until one day Pharaoh has a dream 
The guy's like, oh, there's a guy in your jail that knows how to interpret dreams. They bring Joseph. He tells the dream, the interpretation that what you have is seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. And so he raises Joseph up. He's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And wouldn't you know it, after the seven years of plenty, during the seven years of famine, his family is hungry. They come to Egypt looking for food, and they bow down to Joseph, who they don't recognize. (gasps) Obviously, the plan of God, the will of God, that Joseph would end up in Egypt. But if you were Joseph, do you feel like you're in God's will and God's plan when you're sitting in prison? Nope. If you're Joseph, do you feel like you're right in the middle of God's plan and God's will when you are in the pit because your brothers put you there while they were waiting to find somebody they could sell you to? Nope. If you were Joseph, do you feel like you're in the middle of God's plan when you are waiting in one room while your boss's wife lies about you to her husband and you can hear them arguing about you and you know you're about to be stoned to death because that is his right, do you go, man, I am right in the middle of God's will? Nope. But looking back, we see how the plans of God orchestrated us to be exactly where we needed to be when God needed us to be there. Look at this. I told you that this kind of set up the story of the children of Israel. Well, the children of Israel, go to the next one, please. I'm sorry. The children of Israel came out of captivity here in Egypt. All they had to do was go from Egypt over to Canaan, the promised land. So all they had to do was get out of Egypt, walk straight, and boom, they're here. But look at the journey that God took them on. Down, 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 up, 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 and we're going to take a big circle loop, and then we're going to go back up, and now we get here, and eventually we get into the promised land. This big circle took 40 years. Why did it take 40 years? Part of the reason was because they were disobedient and God had to teach them to trust him and he had to punish their sin by keeping a generation out of the promised land that did not trust him. But he also had to teach a group of former slaves coming out of their slavery how to trust him in the wilderness as their provider so that when they got here and they had to fight battles and be military warriors, they knew how to trust God in the process. Well, just think, like if you're down here, like you get maybe somewhere here, and you see that they just sent spies into the land, and you hear the report, you think, man, we're right in the middle of God's will, until 10 of the spies come back and say, there's giants in the land, we can't beat them, they're bigger than us, they're better than us, we can't do it. Do you feel like you're in the will of God? No. You feel like, why would God bring us all the way out here to kill us? We could have just died in Egypt. In year 17 of the wilderness, do you feel like you're in the middle of God's plan when you have no clue how much longer you're going to spend out in the wilderness eating the same manna wafer bread every single day? No, you're grumbling and complaining just like the children of Israel did. But in reverse, you see the plan of God playing out, and you see that to get you where you had to end up, he had to take you through a process. Look at the one that I had them skip just a second. Go back, guys. So this is the Apostle Paul. This is the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. So he wrote a ton, about two-thirds of the New Testament. And the various colors here that you may not be able to determine, the blue line is the first journey, the green line is the second journey, the purple line is the third journey, and then you see the orange line where he starts, and he eventually works his way all the way over here to Rome, right? If I were giving directions to Paul, I would have just had him do all of his ministry over here, and then move over and do all of his ministry over here, and then move over and do all of his ministry over here, and then catch a boat to Rome to finish up. 
But instead, he's doing a bunch of circles. If you were Paul, do you feel like that when you're under house arrest, when you've been arrested, when you are kind of standing trial to see if they're going to put you to death before you petition to be uh, seen in Rome, do you feel like, man, I am right smack dab in the middle of God's will? Probably not. But in reverse, we see exactly what God was trying to do. And Paul trusted God in the process to end up where God needed him to end up to do exactly what God needed him to do. You say, Jeremy, I'm I'm struggling to follow you. I don't really know where we're going with all this. Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're the brothers and sisters that are just recognized right there. Here's here's what I would contend based on everything that I read in God's word. Here's what I would contend. Every person in the room has the same will of God. The will of God for everybody in the room, everybody who will listen to the podcast, everybody in all of our services today, everybody in every church in this community, everybody in this state, country, everybody in the world who is living, has lived, or will ever live, there is one ultimate will of God. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, ultimately, when we say, that, okay, that's the will of God, you go, yeah, well, you just got around that. What's the plan of God for my life? I think the plan of God, those specific directions that we're looking for, should I go here, should I go there? The illustration that I've used for most of my adult life is that it is the picture for me of the Grand Canyon. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you've ever seen a picture of the Grand Canyon, There's some places in the Grand Canyon where it's really, really wide. But if I started on one end of the Grand Canyon and I was working my way to the other side of the Grand Canyon, there are some places when it gets very, very narrow. And for me to continue moving in the direction that I believe I'm supposed to move, I've got to put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward right specifically, right in this direction, right here. I've got to do right. That's like I know God has said, go do this. I've got to go right there. There's other places in the Grand Canyon where it's really wide. And and I could go, well, should I go here? Should I go here? And for some reason, this feels like I'm ice skating, and I don't know why. (laughs) Should I go here, or should I go here? And the answer, if you believe you're still moving in the direction of being conformed in the image of Jesus Christ, is you choose. You choose. (laughs) Ultimately, if, if neither one of these decisions leads me away from Jesus Christ... If neither one of these decisions stops me from being conformed more into the likeness of who he is, I think God would say, enjoy my creation. Enjoy the bounty of all that I give you that is pleasure. Like, yeah, you choose. You go left or you go right. You're still moving in the direction of being conformed into the image of my son, Jesus Christ. You're still headed in direction of pursuit towards me. Ultimately, here's what I think it boils down to. I asked them to put it on the screen so you could remember this. God's will is as much about formation as it is destination. Ultimately, I think a lot of us, what we're asking is, God, where do you want me to end up? Where where, where do you want me to end up? What's the the destination of my life? Should I work here? Should I work there? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I marry them? Should I not marry? should Should I have... Whatever the question is that you're asking, we're asking about destination. And I think God is more concerned about who we're becoming than what it is we're doing. 
Because I think God's will is as much about formation as it is destiny. Because ultimately, as I am being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, I come to those moments where I ask myself, what would Jesus do? As I am being conformed as a brother and sister, as a joint heir together with Jesus into someone who embodies all the character and nature of God that I possibly can in human flesh, like in this moment, if Jesus were standing here, which job would he take? What decision would he make? Does God's word clearly spell out what it is that I'm asking him? Is it explicitly stated in scripture? If so, I must obey. If not, how can I make the most God-honoring decision possible? Don't be paralyzed by fear of making the wrong decision. If your heart is in the right place, if your pursuit is towards God, if I am trying to make decisions that are God-honoring, then I go, okay, I choose this one. I choose that one. And I go, God, help me to continue to understand and to distinguish what it is you're forming in me that gets me closer and closer to the, son, the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe God's will is as much about formation as it is destination. You know, I, I was talking about food earlier. It tends to weave its way into most of my sermons. But there's several great Mexican restaurants in our community. So just, again, just throwing that out there. But I'll tell you a story in just a second that's going to make you want to eat Chick-fil-A. But I'm sorry they're closed. I asked them to open today. They wouldn't do it. So Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And one of the great traits of Truett Cathy is that he loved Jesus. And not only did he love Jesus, he wanted to help those around him love Jesus too. And so one of the great legacies of Truett Cathy's life, other than incredible chicken, is that he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories that kind of came to light after he passed away about all these young men that he helped to disciple more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so he just would see these young men around him, whether they worked in his organization or whether he found them in the community, whatever. And if he felt like, man, I need to invest some time in them, I need to help them to chase after Jesus more. He would spend time, sometimes he would spend money, and helping them just to chase after Jesus with all their heart. And there was this one story that I ran across where there was a young man who, who Truett saw potential in, and he desired, hey, I want to help disciple you. you. You need to kind of grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. And so they continued to meet together, and this young man just kept giving him excuses about why he was late. Oh, I was late. I don't have a car. I don't have a lot of money. He's like, okay, I understand, but listen, let's meet together. Let's honor your time, honor my time. Let, let's grow together. Uh, and the guy was like, yeah, I know, okay, I don't have a car. I don't have a lot of money. He says, well, I want to help you grow in a relationship with Jesus. He said, here's what we'll do. Here's a set of tapes, sermon tapes. And this is Dr. Charles Stanley. Many of us in Atlanta know, kind of familiar with that name at least. But this is Dr. Charles Stanley. So let's listen to these sermons at the same time, and we'll discuss them when we get together. And when they would get together, the young man had not listened to the sermons. And so Truett would say, hey, you need to listen to those tapes, man. They're really good. They're really good. I think they'll help you grow in a relationship with Jesus. You need to listen to those sermons. You need to listen to those tapes. The young man said, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Yeah, you're right. I need to do that. Every time they would meet together, the young man still had not listened to the tapes. Well, what the young man did not know is that on the very last tape, Truett had kind of pulled a switcheroo. He had recorded his own voice over Dr. Charles Stanley and said, when you get to this point, come to my office for the keys to your new car. So they met together. The young man never said anything about it. They met together. Truett realized he's not willing to go through the process. So he called him to his office one day. He put the last tape in, and he let him listen to it. And he said to the young man, if you would have just gone through the process, you would have gotten exactly what you were searching for. So many of us, we just want to go from step one to step ten. We just want to end up where we're supposed to end up. But the will of God 
is as much about formation as it is destination. You can't go from step one to step 10 because there's something you'll learn at step four that you need at step five, that you need at step seven, that if you don't go through the process when you get to step 10, you will not be equipped to do what God needs you to do in that moment in the destination that you've been seeking because you skipped the formation. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, you're talking a lot about the person and relationship with Jesus Christ, and I recognize I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've I, I, not asked him to forgive my sins. I've not asked him to be the Lord of my life, and I want that to change today. I want him to forgive my sins, be my Lord right now. If that's you, would you lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now, if you would say for me, Jeremy, it's not about salvation for me, but I don't want to skip any of the formation process. I mean, ultimately, I, it may lead me into some unhappy places like Joseph, or it may lead me, take me longer like the children of Israel. Or I, I just want God to form in me everything he wants to form in me. I want to be in the will of God and more and more the image of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. God, I thank you today for every person that lifted their hands. I pray now for every person that asks you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, that you would forgive them of their sins, something that I cannot do. I can't forgive their sins for eternity, but God, you can do that. And God, I pray now that you would forgive them and become the Lord of their life, changing their eternity, not just for them, but really setting the tone for the trajectory of faith for their entire family for generations to come. God, I pray now for every person that lifted their hands to ask you to continue to form in them all that needs to be formed. God, that you would do a work in them and through them, help them to more and more conform to the image of Jesus Christ. God, when they come to moments of decision, that they would filter it through, what is it that God is trying to do in me? And that ultimately they would have a confidence to step out in that. And that, God, they would be as much worried about formation as they are destination. And God, as they are, would you be honored and glorified in their life? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 